Welcome to the Lingolstown Life Podcast. In today's message, Pastor George preaches a sermon about living lives that inspire others to become disciples of Jesus. This message was first preached on November 21st, 2021 at the Lingolstown Life Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Lingolstown Life Podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. Well, in uh, in just a few moments, we're going to uh, we're going to do something that's a part of of this uh, this service every year, and that is to receive our our covenant cards. This year, we mailed those out, and so many of you have already returned them. But what we want to do in just a few moments is invite you to return those covenant cards if you brought them with you this morning. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to complete one already and uh, you didn't get one on the way in, uh, just let us know and we can bring those around to you this morning. But uh, I wanted to take a moment this morning to, uh, to share with you a, uh, a letter that crossed my desk this week. A letter came from Georgia. And um, this is a family that's been watching our services ever since the world changed back in March of 2020. And a beautiful little letter from them. And then they, I want to pick up right here. It says, may we add these thank you notes in conclusion. And here's their two thank you notes this morning. Number one, thank you for your continuing online services. We've learned a great deal in the time of COVID through your services and feel encouraged on a weekly basis to continue to seek God's wisdom for us and what we need to do to encourage others. And then number two, for your ongoing outreach at Ray's Place and the many ways you are supporting the community, your surrounding neighbors, the schools, and other outreach partners in the Harrisburg area, such as those that you worked with on the last Sunday of October. May you all continue to feel blessed and to be blessed by God. Now, I have to be honest and tell you that two years ago, I never would have expected to receive a a, a letter like that from somebody in Georgia. But, uh, you know, as they say, say, you know, about these times we're living in, uh, ministry is evolving in ways that we can't even begin to understand right now or process. But you know, that's sort of the way the ministry of the gospel has been for the people of God over the last 2,000 years. When, when you stop and think about it, um, how, I bet a lot of you have a, a printed Bible, don't you? Um, I, I bet there are some of you that if I went to your home right now, I could find multiple copies of a Bible. Um, but, you know, just think about this. Just, just, over, just over 500 years ago, this didn't exist for most of us. 
I, I mean, if there was a Bible before Gutenberg invented the printing press, most of those Bibles were hand-lettered and they were chained, literally chained to the pulpit in the church because they were that valuable. They didn't want anybody to be able to take them. And uh, once Gutenberg invented the printing press, suddenly the Bible became available to people everywhere. And the most common person, <coughs> excuse me, could own their own copy of the Bible. Then uh, I think about when I was in college, back in the dark ages. And we didn't have computers until uh, the last few years that I was in college. But anyway, when I was in college, I, I never really imagined that I'd be able to carry my Bible in my pocket. And, and I'm not talking about those little green New Testaments that the Gideons were handing out. I mean, I never thought I'd be able to carry the whole Bible, not only one version of the Bible, but multiple versions of the Bible. And, and not only multiple versions of the Bible, but the Bible in multiple multiple languages. Um, like the other day, I, I opened up the Bible app, and for some reason, something happened that everything on my Bible app was in Chinese. Um, took me a few minutes to figure out how to get back to English, but, you know, that's awesome that people in China can actually read from the Bible app. As a matter of fact, just last week, just last week, the, uh, the Bible app surpassed 500 million downloads, okay? That's a half a billion downloads. Um, the, the Bible app was literally one of the first apps that was available in the Apple App Store, and it has never charged for its, uh, for its application. And, and just think about that. Today, there are five hundred million downloads. When you, when you really get to know the story of the Bible app, it's amazing. It's almost like the revolution of Gutenberg's printing press. Now, I share those two stories with you this morning because, <clears throat> because I want to remind you that how we share the good news of Jesus Christ is always going to be changing. It's always been changing. Now, the good news never changes, but the way that we share it, the evolving ministries of the church, those things are always going to change. What's really interesting, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on today, is the way that sometimes old things become new again. And that's sort of what's happened at our Raised Place Community Center uh, through our reading program. Now, if you go back 300 years uh, to John Wesley the, and the early Methodists, they began Sunday schools uh, because they wanted to teach kids how to read. And, and as a result of teaching kids how to read, Methodism spread quickly in England and then here in America. And, you know, we never, we never really know what the next new thing is that God is going to do uh, whether it's going to be something old or whether it's going to be something bold. But whatever it is that God calls Lingolstown Life to, to be involved in, it's going to involve all of us working together. And that's, that's what that covenant card that you received is really all about. It's, it's about how each of us can partner together with each other in the work that God has called us to here at Lingolstown Life. 
So in, in just a moment, we're going to just give you a moment of silence to, to complete your commitment card for 2022. Uh, <clears throat> you know, those cards are valuable to us in that they help us to know how we can plan uh, for your financial commitment for the new year. It helps us to be able to plan appropriately. And uh, as you think about completing that this morning, I just want to remind you about two things. Number one, please make sure that your name is printed legibly on the card. That's really important. And number two, uh, just indicate in one way or another how you're planning to give for this year, whether that's weekly, monthly, or if you just want to put on an annual amount for the whole year. But uh, again, we want to thank you for doing that. And what we're going to do in just a moment, we're just going to invite you to come on down front here. Uh, the basket's over here on this side of the stage, and if you would be willing to come up, uh, Matt's going to play a little bit of music for us while we, uh, while we do that. But let's just take a moment right now, and then uh, I'll lead us in a word of prayer, and then invite you to come forward. So let's uh, just pause for a moment of silence this morning. Lord, we do thank you for the way that you have provided for the good news to be shared throughout the years. We thank you for the part that Lingolstown Life gets to play in that and for each individual who in the past, in the present, and the future, who will make possible through their prayers, their presence, their gifts, their service, and their witness, the sharing of the gospel through G through, of Jesus Christ through Lingolstown Life. Now, Lord, set apart each of us to be a part of your work in the upcoming year. Provide for us as we provide for the ministry of your church. And this we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you feel led to, uh, to come forward to, uh, to drop your cards in, we appreciate that. Those of you who are joining us, go ahead. You can. Those of you joining us online... If you didn't get a card, you can always reach out to us here at the church. We'd be glad to provide one for you. And thank you for mailing those in. Well, this morning, I want to invite you to, uh, to share in the words of our vision statement. I know we, we did this earlier in the service, but I want to do it again to, uh, to set up our message for today. So let's share these words of our vision statement one more time. 
we are a community of faith being transformed by God's grace, inspiring people to become disciples of Jesus. Now, when we stop and reflect upon what we've learned over the last two weeks, we learned that the purpose of community is to build relationships where we are. That's the purpose of community, to build relationships where we are so that we can see and respond to the needs and to proclaim the good news where we are in our community of faith. That's really what Jesus was talking about in his words that, are, that we can find in Luke chapter 4, uh, where he was quoting from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah about what the ministry was that he had in this life. Now, the purpose of transformation is to, is to make it possible for you and I to be shaped into the image of Jesus. And when we are shaped into the image of Jesus, uh, that means that people in our daily experiences are able to see the grace of God in us and in turn want to know from us, how is this possible? And that, you know, that's really what Peter was trying to get across in 1 Peter 3.15 when, when he wrote those words, always be ready to give, to, to give an answer for the hope that is within you. And that's so important for us to understand that as we build relationships, as we build relationships in these messy experiences of everyday life, as we demonstrate in our lives the grace of God which is transforming us into the image of Jesus, then all of us have the opportunity to inspire people to become disciples of Jesus. Now, inspiring people to become disciples of Jesus is what Jesus told his very first disciples and what they've told us uh, down throughout all of the ages. And so we read these words over and over again. And I want to share with you, first of all, the words of the Great Commission from, from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 where uh, Jesus, in his final words that Matthew records to the disciples, says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, he says what? He says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Jesus must have kept going with this message over and over and over again because, because Luke records it for us in his second book, which is the, the Acts of the Apostle. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we find Jesus once again saying to the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my, what's the word? Witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, folks, it doesn't matter who you are, 
where you are, what age it happens to be, all of us have this commission from Jesus to be involved in being a witness of making disciples. Now, the problem is that somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, we have misunderstood Jesus' words about making disciples and being witnesses. And what I mean by that is, well, somebody, somebody created a word called evangelism. And usually when the pastor stands up and says evangelism, most people sort of shake with fear because they think all these negative thoughts about what evangelism in their mind is. And so the E word that oftentimes you know, sparks fear in people's lives is this idea that somehow we're going to be the angry man on the street corner holding up the sign, shouting at people, repent! You know, and we just think that this is somehow what Jesus intended when he called us to make disciples and to be his witnesses. The other fallacy in all of this is that we think we have to know every Bible verse there possibly is to share with somebody, and on top of that, be able to refute every argument that somebody has about something in the Bible. I can't memorize Bible verses worth a hoot, and I don't know all the answers to every question. But you know what? I'm still called to be a witness, and I'm still called to make disciples, and so are you. Whether you know all the verses, whether you know all the answers, actually, you'll never know all the answers. None of us will ever know all the answers. But none of that is what is conveyed when we say that we are to inspire people to become disciples of Jesus. As a matter of fact, inspiring people to become disciples of Jesus is as easy as this. Okay? Seriously. If you want to remember anything about the sermon, it's this one line. It's on your sermon outline. You can just highlight it and remember it. Okay? Inspiring people to become disciples of Jesus is as easy as making a daily decision to be shaped like Jesus within the relationships that you have with people. Ta-da! You always thought it was complicated. It's not complicated. It's simply making a daily decision to be shaped like Jesus in the relationships that you find yourself in at any particular moment. Paul, in writing to the Romans, said that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, and you know, if you, if you and I will just set our minds to imitating the ways of Jesus, people are going to be a lot more likely to ask you to share to share with them how you can be a kind person, how you can be a loving person, how you can be a compassionate person, how you can be a grace-filled person in a culture that is none of those things right now. I mean, just think about this. You and I as disciples of Jesus, if we are imitating, if we are truly imitating the ways of Jesus... Well, we should stand out like a sore thumb in this culture. 
We shouldn't be able to blend in. We should stand out. And people should look at us and they should want to know what makes you different. And then you get the opportunity to say, well, it's because God's transforming my life. Now, don't say it that way because people get all freaked out. But tell them, you know, well, you know, I'm just trying to be a more loving and grace-filled person in my life. And then if they say something to you like, how in the world are you going to do that? Well, every day I'm just going to make daily decisions that are going to help me, help me to do that. Well, well where, do you, where do you find that information? Well, well, in my life, I find that information from Jesus. And I'm just simply trying to internalize his words so that I know how I can imitate him. It's not very hard, is it, folks? Inspiring somebody to become a disciple of Jesus is as simple as, as, simple as making those daily decisions. Making those daily decisions to be shaped like Jesus in the relationships that you have with people so that you stand out from everybody else in this world. Now, I asked you a series of questions uh, this morning that, that I asked about, you know, who are you inspiring? Who are you inspiring? And I, and I seriously want you to think about that today. Who are you inspiring? Who is looking at your life and wanting to follow you? Now, I'm getting ready for next week's sermon, which is going to be based upon the movie The Santa Claus. So I was watching The Santa Claus last night. And, and I, it was so funny because I was watching as Tim Allen is walking, you know, and all the reindeer are following him. And then he's walking, and all of a sudden there's this line of kids behind him. You know? Sometimes we don't even have a clue who's following us. You know, maybe your neighbor is, is watching you. Maybe, maybe somebody, you know, that you work with is watching you. Because you inspire something in them. You inspire something in them because of a way that you choose to live your life. Let me ask you this. Who, who is recognizing... Who is recognizing the transformation that God's grace is making possible in your life and wanting to know themselves, how can I experience that? Now, I shared part of this idea a few weeks ago, but I want to drive this home to you again today. You are inspiring people whether you realize it or not. The question is, are you inspiring them for good or not good? You are inspiring people every day, whether you realize it or not, for good or not good. Uh, a few weeks ago when I talked about this, I talked about the fact that you and I are constantly being discipled. Every day there are voices that are discipling you, that are telling you how to live, how to act, what to say, when to say it. 
And you don't really have a choice because a lot of times it's stuff that, that you're hearing based upon where you're at. Now, you do have the choice when you turn on the TV or open the computer or start scrolling through your phone. But who's discipling you? All those voices, all those images, all those talking heads who they're just making a lot of money off of you and me because you keep tuning in. Who's discipling you? Same thing can be asked. How are you inspiring someone else? How are you inspiring somebody? Are you inspiring somebody for good or not for good? I mean, think about it. Um, I really want to challenge you this morning, though, to think about how your life right now can inspire somebody. Um, think about it this way. Think about your passions. Okay? Your passions can inspire somebody. Your, your transformation. How have you changed as an individual recently? That, that transformation, it's inspiring people. How about the experiences that you're going through in your life? How about your gifts, your service, your prayers, your words, your character? Folks, the total package of your life is something that God can use to inspire other people. So when God's grace transforms your passions, when God's grace transforms your experiences, when God's grace transforms your words, your character, it simply becomes a witness to the grace of God in your life, and by doing that, it inspires people to see that the love and grace of God is available to transform their lives as well. You know, there's a lot of you out there that, that inspire me. When you tell me your stories about what God is doing in your life, how God is speaking to you and challenging you and transforming you. It's always awesome to hear those stories. And it's even, it's even more awesome to realize that, that every day people's lives are being inspired by Lingolstown life, by this community of faith. I mean, it's not every day you get a letter like this, but it's every day that, that our influence is a witness to somebody else. So I want to share with you one more inspiring story. But before I get there, I just want to, to give you a little preface. Um, earlier today, I told you about John Wesley and the early Methodists and how they, how they founded Sunday school. John Wesley was a big guy on education. I mean, he wanted everybody to, he, he literally said, sell everything and buy books. Okay, that was his big motto. I mean, he placed so much emphasis on education. Now, what you have to understand is that when John Wesley was alive in, in 18th century uh, England, children didn't know how to read or write. Most children, starting by the age of three, were probably at work somewhere. And, and they didn't just like go to work for an hour, they went to work 
all day, 10, 12 hours. They used to employ little three-year-old kids in, uh, in the coal chutes because whenever coal would get stuck in a coal chute, they could send a child who was really small in to poke the coal until it would come down the chute. A lot of kids died that way. So those of you kids who are in school, be thankful that there are now child labor laws so that you don't have to do that. Also be thankful that there are public schools because none of those things existed in John Wesley's day. And so John Wesley and the early Methodists wanted to make sure that kids learned how to read and write. And so because kids were working Monday through Saturday, the only opportunity they had to educate anybody was on what? Sunday. And so what did they do? They had school on Sunday, and it became known as... Yeah. And you always thought it was just because we had church on Sunday that kids came and... No. See, John Wesley was that kind of an innovator who figured out that if we could teach kids how to read, they could learn to read the Bible, and if we were compassionate and kind and loving towards them, they might see the love of Jesus in our lives. And so Methodism spread all over England, all over America, because the early Methodists understood that the most important thing you can do is teach a child how to read. And so that's what we've been doing at Ray's for the last year. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, if we can touch one life, We can inspire a whole community. And if we can touch a community, we can inspire a larger community. And eventually, we can change the world. So, Lord, we want to be a part of that. And we want it to begin in each and every one of our lives as you help us to inspire others with the transformation that has begun in each and every one of us. And so, Lord, as we have been inspired, as we have been transformed, as we find ourselves in our communities, help us to make those simple daily decisions that help us in the relationships where we find ourselves every day to share with others the good news of what Jesus wants to do for everyone. We pray it in his name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Lingolstown Life podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope that you'll leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more at www.linglestownlife.org. God bless you and may you go forth to love God and love others.